Welcome back to the Fake News Pod. We have a great show planned for you today. Josh, what do you have for us? All right, this is the third take. Um, I got the Comey testimony, I got the UK elections, and I got grades, the favorite Friday segment here on the Fake News Pod. What do you got, Conley? All right, uh, Bob Soup stepping down in Oklahoma. Big news there. Uh, deep dive at the QB position in the uh, college football landscape. And some notes about the NBA Finals and the NHL Finals and uh, what's going on there. Oh, good finals. All right, hit the music. <laughs> Biggest political story of the week for you here. The James Comey testimony, the dreaded James Comey testimony that was going to sink Trump, put him six feet under, prove that he colluded with Russia, prove that he obstructed justice, prove that he is the modern day Joseph Stalin that is going to rule the world vis-a-vis Putin's puppet. So, a little background information here for you real quick about who James Comey is and why they're having him come forward today. Um, It's because... Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I'm sorry. He just deleted my notes and put them back up there. So, we're going to keep going with this because this is the third take and we can't stop now. Right? Amen. Right. Amen. So, background on James Comey. Let me start over here. He was the FBI director for Trump and formerly for Obama. Trump fired him. All the Democrats then said, oh, my God. Comey was investigating Trump. That's obstruction of justice because Trump fired him to stop the Russian investigation. That's what the Democrats said. Okay, so Comey came back to testify. Now, before Comey testified, um, apparently he wrote memos while meeting with Trump, and they were leaked to the press. And in the press's story, they said Comey took memos on everybody that he met with in top positions, and they said that he did that, you know, to uh, keep truth and factual information on everybody, is what the big story was there. Um, So he comes in to testify. And the claims were that Trump fired him to obstruct justice, and that's the big thing they wanted to prove, right, the Democrats today. Um, So, let's go through those claims. Did James Comey say that Trump obstructed justice? No, he did not. Um, The big thing here was with Michael Flynn, Trump in a one-on-one conversation with Comey, he asked um, Comey if Trump, if Comey could let, he said, I hope you can let this go with Michael Flynn. He's a good guy. I hope you can let it go. And Comey said, I agree, he's a good guy. So basically what he's saying there is, we all know Michael Flynn, Trump's former um, NSA National Security Advisor. Um, this, this meeting took place the day after Trump fired Flynn for misleading Mike Pence. Um, so everyone was asking Comey, do you think that he did this for a political reason? Do you think he ordered you to stop the investigation? Comey said he took that as an order. What... Trump said to him, but then a senator grilled him on it and said, when someone says they hope for something, that's not in order, right, Mr. Comey? Those words aren't in order. 
And Comey said, well, yes, the words aren't in order, but Trump's body language and being there alone with him, I took as an order. So it's it was innuendo. Conley, you want to go yeah, on this um, so far? It didn't sound like it sounded like Comey didn't have a lot to go off of, and he was just kind of making stuff up as he went. Um, <clears throat> not uh, it didn't sound at all like uh, Trump had any any like uh, reason to be worried about what Trump was saying or what Comey was saying here. It sounded like Comey was kind of just admitting that Trump didn't do anything wrong with the with what he said, and but it really legally well, there was no problem with it, and he was just kind of. Just, uh, making his own interpretation up mm-hmm. so that he could make Trump look like he was telling him to do something. Yeah, so with this right here, with um, the Michael Flynn thing, it's like, if you want to look at it in the worst possible light, it's Trump saying, hey, stop this investigation. This guy's my friend. I'm your boss. I'm ordering you to stop it. Now, tr- the way I look at it is, Trump saying, hey, I hope you'll stop it. He's a good guy. I just had to fire him. He's been through a lot. Um, I hope you can see your way to letting this go. You know, it's not in order. Um, Comey even said it wasn't in order. You know, he said the words aren't in order. That's what he said. Like, you know, I'm quoting him. Um, but he said the body language and stuff. He said, I thought it was in order because of his body language because I was alone with him. He said, when you're alone with the president in the Oval Office, um, when he says you hope for something, you kind of think that's in order. So Comey was being real uh, facetious, I think. He's being a little political there. But when, it, when you break it down, brass tacks there, there's no obstruction of justice. Okay, so we got through obstruction of justice. Nothing. Next claim was that um, Trump asked for Comey's loyalty. Now, Comey said Trump did ask for his loyalty, and Comey didn't respond to that. And then Trump, they went on in their conversation, and then again Trump asked for Comey's loyalty. And Comey said, listen, Mr. President, I'll tell you I can be honest with you. And then Comey said, I will give you honest loyalty. And Trump said, good, honest loyalty. Good, honest loyalty. I, no one loves honest loyalty more than me. So, Conley, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, it sounds like a kind of weird, like, it's a weird, yeah. twist of words there. I'm not really sure what happened there. It sounds like Trump was just wanting to see if, like, he could just kind of trust Comey, and uh, Comey wasn't really sure how to respond to mm-hmm. that, so it was just kind of an awkward conversation more than anything. Yeah, I mean, it seems like an awkward conversation, but, I mean, uh, Trump is Comey's boss. I mean, the worst possible light is Trump saying, hey, you're loyal to me, not the country, I'm the president. You're never going to do anything to look into me, yeah. even if I'm breaking the law. Best possible light, or the way I'm looking at it is, hey man, I want you to be loyal. Just don't go leaking shit, which we're going to get into in a minute. Yeah. And uh, they said honest loyalty, so Trump never asked him to lie. So this looks at, it looks to be benign. looks to be not a yeah. big deal. What do you think? You think? I agree with that. Not the bad of a deal? Okay. So, again, not awful for Trump, not great for Trump, but nothing illegal, nothing horribly bad there. Okay, one of the biggest bombshells out of this is Comey was being questioned about his memos, which Congress has not seen to this point. The FBI hasn't handed over the memos to Congress, and Comey has not given any of the memos to Congress. Now this is a big deal because these these are government property, and Congress oversees the FBI. So when Congress asks the FBI for government property, they should get it, right? So James Comey, when they asked him. How did the media get your memos? Because they wrote a story about it. Comey literally came out and said, I printed off copies of my memos, gave them to my buddy who worked at Columbia University, and told him to leak them to the press. (laughs) Holy hell. The former FBI director admitting that he is leaking through a third party to the press after he got fired by the president. And he said the reason that he leaked them was to get a special prosecutor appointed. 
That's why he said he leaked them, and he said he only did it after Trump tweeted about there being, quote, tapes about our conversations. Now, this is key here, because Trump's lawyer came out after this and pieced it together. He looked at the date of Trump's tweet, which was, I think, the 12th, don't quote me here, and then the New York Times story, which was the 11th, May 11th, and Trump's tweet was a day after the memos had been leaked. Yeah, so Comey was saying that the only reason he leaked the memos was because of Trump's, Trump's tweet. tweet. But Trump's tweet happened after he leaked the memos. So, it so Comey's story is, yeah. that's perjury. Yeah, lying in front of Congress. Is that means perjury. Comey lied under oath. Yeah. Five years. Bye-bye, James Comey. <laughs> that's what I see there. No, but so... Unless he's Bill Clinton, and then nothing happens. Yeah, if he's Bill Clinton, you're fine. Um, your wife's going to try to become president and bitch at all of us for years and years and years after this. No, but um, big point here is... The way I look at this, James Comey's story doesn't add up. His timeline doesn't make sense. If Comey's telling the truth, why is it that when you go and look at the dates of the tweets and the date of when he leaked the memos, which is also a crime, all right? The date of when he leaked the memos and the date of the tweets, they don't add up. Comey said he woke up in the middle of the night after he saw Trump's tweet and said, Oh, dear Lordy, i got to leak the memos to get to the New York Times to prove my side of the story. And they don't add up. So Comey's a leaker, which is a felony, because those memos are government property, not his personal property, because he wrote them on government computers, he was the FBI director, and he was writing about conversations with the President of the United States. So that's a, that's a felony, too. Um, leaking to the press. The FBI director leaked to the press. Can you, can you believe that? Have you ever heard of that? What yeah, is man, that? that's not... You definitely do not want that from your That's incredible. Director. That's a very Comey thing to do, though. <laughs> that's a very Comey thing to do. So, the next, maybe the second biggest bombshell out of this, maybe the first, depending on how you look at it, Comey said former Attorney General Loretta Lynch, who was Attorney General under Barack Obama, told him during the Hillary Clinton email investigation not to call it an investigation, but to call it, quote, a matter. Now, this is huge because Comey, when he said that they were investigating Hillary, did call it a matter. And you know who else was calling it a matter the entire time? Hillary Clinton's campaign. They never called it an investigation, and they always called it a matter. So Loretta Lynch was telling James Comey to use the same wordings as Hillary Clinton's campaign. Jacob, what do you think of this? Um, yeah, that's definitely not a good look for Loretta Lynch and the Obama administration and the Hillary campaign. All, all three of them. Uh, you're not you're not allowed to like change the way. Like there, there should be no reason for them to tell uh, Comey how to act based on political. Uh, and Jimmy and Comey followed through on it. Yeah, and that's not a good luck for Comey either. Mm. It's a very Comey thing to do, though, here, too. Wanting to be, uh, before leaking to the press, you know, wanting to be in the press, and, now, and then wanting to be in politics with Loretta Lynch here. Both of those are you, you the about a, he got fired, for sure. You talk about obstructing the justice. Maybe Loretta Lynch should be getting a special prosecutor on her ass. You know? Maybe. So, the big thing here the Democrats are going to take out of this hearing is Comey, right off the bat, he called Trump a liar. Um, in the beginning, he said, Trump said that I wasn't good at my job and that the FBI people didn't like me. He said that it's a bold-faced lie. I'm great at my job. Everyone at the FBI loves me. So that's what the Democrats, that's their big takeaway from this. Conley, what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, Comey's this bitch, really. He's <laughs> a lot. Well, all these things, I mean, there's all these things coming out about him now. It's just kind of a desperate now. It's really, really I mean, it's also opinion-based. So Comey's going in there swearing under oath about his opinion about what the FBI thinks about him. And yeah. it's political. It makes yeah. him look great. It makes him look like the last honest man in Washington. Um, so Comey... How does this relate to Trump-Russia? It doesn't in the fact that they never asked about Russian collusion anymore. The whole first claim was Trump colluded with Russia. It's gone now because there is no Trump collusion with Russia. The narrative's destroyed. 
Chris Matthew, you know that you know that guy, the MSNBC anchor, yeah. the biggest liberal conspiracy theorist you ever known, second only maybe to Rachel Maddow. He literally said Trump Russia is dead. He said it's gone after this testimony. He says there's nothing left of it. Yeah, there's nothing nothing there for the Democrats. Well, they're gonna keep going. They're not gonna stop. He's he maybe just said that and then slipped up. And all the Democrats are saying, shut the hell up, man. You know, because we're gonna keep going on this. Um, so what did this hearing really take? Oh, another big thing. Sorry, there's so much stuff that came out of this thing. Um. Comey said that Trump was not personally under investigation. This is huge. Comey told, when Trump fired Comey, he wrote in his letter firing Comey that said, also, thank you for telling me that I am not under investigation three separate times. Total Trump thing to do, right? Throw that in there for everyone to see. Everyone, the media said for months after that, Trump's lying, Trump's being investigated. Comey today said, Trump is not under investigation. Conley, what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, everybody talks about him trying to... Trump, the whole thing was that Trump fired Comey because Comey was investigating him, but it, Trump was never even under investigation in the first place. Yes. Um, Comey also only took memos when talking to Trump. He never took memos when talking to Obama or Loretta Lynch or any other superior except for Trump, and he said only because he thought Trump was a liar. No one pressed him on why Comey thought Trump was a liar. That seemed a very political thing of an FBI agent to do. Yeah, how about when Obama was impeding justice when during the Fast and Furious scandal. Did he take memos there? I mean, oh, Comey's such a bitch. Listen, this all seems very political. He also said that he only spoke to Obama two times, two times. in six years. Or three years, whatever it is. Whenever or, Comey yeah. got appointed. whenever Whatever it was, there were a lot of Obama scandals that Comey was FBI director for, and he never took notes of anybody. Yeah, of it's any ridiculous. Um, One thing that came out of this was, I was, I was listening to people talk about it. They said... Comey took the notes, right? The first time he ever talked to Trump, he took notes right after that. So unless Trump lied to Comey right when they first talked, he must have been looking at him during the campaign and thought, man, this guy's a liar. So Comey is obviously a highly political FBI director. He keeps talking about being independent. Bullshit. Good thing Trump fired Comey. I think this just reinforces the position. He also, when he when asked about why he was there for questioning, he said he wanted, he was there to do it because he wanted to show the nation that both parties can work together. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, because if he's not part of a party, then how is he working, is he together, working together with parties? I mean, that's just... I don't know. Um, also, Trump, during talking to Comey, Trump said he wanted all the investigations to continue so that he could find out if anyone working for him acted badly, and he thought it would be good for people to know. And Trump was asking for more investigations. Trump said he wanted, wanted more investigations to find out if anyone working for him did anything yeah, wrong so, so that they could punish them. There, Correct. Too, yeah. All Trump wanted Comey to say... So this is the big reason why I think Trump fired Comey. Trump, Comey kept telling Trump... You're not under personal investigation. But Comey wouldn't tell the American people that. Because all you heard on the TV for months was Trump Trump's under investigation. And Trump kept getting pissed and pissed and pissed. And I don't blame him one bit, honestly. Because all you heard was Trump's under investigation, Trump's yeah. under investigation. So, I mean, the big thing here is Comey was looking very political. It was really a lot of smoke and innuendo. But you get out of all the bullshit and uh, the politics of it, it really helps Trump... It really makes the Obama administration look very bad. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Loretta Lynch gets subpoenaed. Um, Comey's buddy, who he leaked it to, is going to get subpoenaed. I think Comey should be prosecuted for this, or at least looked into a lot more for this. Um, big stars of the day. Marco Rubio, holy hell. If you want to, if you wanted to watch any of this testimony, Google the seven minutes of Marco Rubio questioning Comey. He killed it. He, um, he pointed out the three things, saying um, that Trump never obstructed justice, that all Trump wanted was for Comey to say that he wasn't under personal investigation to the American people, and uh, the loyalty pledge, that it was just honest loyalty. That's what he wanted. And he also said, It's amazing to me, Director Comey, that after everything that's leaked, 
The only thing that hasn't leaked is that Trump isn't under personal investigation. Yeah. Just pointing out the bias of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so I think Comey might have actually perjured himself on a couple occasions here. Who, who's the worst at questioning today? Oh, if you want to have some fun, if you got a minute, uh, John McCain, he said he was late. He was up late last night watching baseball. That's what his excuse was. He his questioning was unbelievable. He was mixing up. He was asking about Hillary's investigation. And then he said, why did you stop investigating Hillary, but you kept investigating Trump? But they're two separate investigations, like Hillary's emails compared to Trump-Russia. Yeah. And he kept, like, badgering Comey about it. And Comey had to explain to him, like, five different times about why they're separate investigations. Um, you, you look at the pictures of the senators, like, everyone has their head turned or their head down, thinking, Jesus Christ, how are we letting McCain talk right now? He's McCain's 80. Um, sometimes he acts like a Democrat. I really think he should just take some time off from the questioning. <laughs> um, it was great. I mean, listen, bottom line of this hearing is, why do we have a special prosecutor? Why do we have a special counsel? I really think this is a witch hunt. I think this exonerates Trump of any wrongdoing when it comes to Trump-Russia. I really don't think we need a special counsel. And uh, I think Rob Mueller should cancel his investigation. I don't know. Conley, what do you think? Um... Yeah, I agree. It looks like really this is kind of like the, should be the nail in the coffin for the Russia. I mean, it's not going to be, but it should conspiracy be. Conspiracy theorist. Um, yeah, it definitely it was a good day for Trump. I would say. Great day, for sure. Yeah, bad day to be Comey. Bad day to be a liberal. Bad, bad day to be Loretta Lynch. Yeah, Loretta Lynch. The big thing there is too. This is going to give um, Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General, a perfect opportunity to open up the Hillary Clinton investigation again. If he wants yeah. to lock her up, this is the perfect time to do it. I'm excited. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of fall through is going to come from this. I think a lot of dominoes are going to be start falling from some of the things that happened here today. So we'll cover those later. Yeah, I hope so. Also, real quick about the Comey testimony, they never asked him about the illegal spying or the unmasking or the surveilling that we've been telling you about. Um, it was interesting that they didn't. I think they should have. I think Comey will be back at some point to testify about that because, like we told you, the FBI illegally sharing information and uh, breaking Fourth Amendment protections. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but we'll keep you updated. Amen. All right, moving on. You good? Yeah. Sweet. Uh, moving on to, uh, the Bob Stoops story here. Bob Stoops retired, um, he retired yesterday, so he retired Thursday. Um, so, long-time coach at Oklahoma, uh, he's had been there for 17 years. He was just 56 years old, so not a very old coach. Um, he's been, yeah, so he was at OU since, uh, 1999. He had great success there. He won a national title in 2000. Uh, he had won Coach of the Year twice. He had won 10 Big 12 titles in just 17 years. So he won the Big 12 more often than he didn't. Um, very dominant run at Big 12 for in the Big 12 for a very long time. He made Oklahoma a, a superpower for a very long time. Uh, replacing him is going to be Lincoln Riley. Um, he's just 33 years old. He was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma for the last two years. Um, obviously very young coach here. Uh, sounds like he'll be able to keep Oklahoma going strong. Everybody in the, uh, kind of getting the inside scoops here is saying that he's going to be a very good replacement and then he'll keep the, uh, keep the recruiting side going if nothing else. But, uh, matching Stoops success is going to be very hard on the field. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. I, I expect Oklahoma to take somewhat of a step back just because they've been doing so well under Bob Stoops for the last 17 years. Um, <clears throat> so we'll see what happens. Uh, Why did he retire? Did they say? 
Oh, he said that he wanted to be with family. Um, I guess because I mean, college football coaches. I mean, yeah, it's it's a full time job. It's yeah, like eighty you? hours a week. You know? it's a, yeah. yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of your time, but I don't know. I don't know what made him decide after seventeen years all of a sudden to stop mm-hmm. at only fifty six. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him come back into coaching in the next couple of years. Uh, some people have already said after this year when Notre Dame fires, uh, Brian Kelly would be in because after another bad season for them, yeah, cause he's, he's going to be the replacement there. But I, obviously that's speculation. So you think he'll um, miss it? They're saying he'll miss it. Uh, yeah, some people are. I mean, I guess yeah. we'll see. Uh, yeah. He has a ton of money already, so that's not going to be a problem for him. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously, does for the love of the game. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> he's definitely going to be one of those names that comes up every single time there's a coaching open, like an opening somewhere. Just like Harbaugh's going say, to uh, NFL. You know? Yeah, everybody's going to say Stoops. So we'll see, but yeah, big name, big name out of the game right now. Uh, but yeah, so Lincoln Riley stepping in. We'll see what happens there. I think they're gonna take a little bit of a step back, but uh, a lot of people are optimistic about Oklahoma's outlook here with Lincoln Riley as the new head coach. Um, <clears throat> this is interesting too because if, if Oklahoma does fall behind, that'll really hurt the Big Twelve. Um, the Big Twelve has kind of been reeling lately. They've they're only, they only have 10 teams uh, as compared to uh, the other conferences with 14 and 16 teams. Uh, Texas looks like they're on the come up, which helps um, the Big 12. The two biggest names in the Big 12 are Texas and Oklahoma by far. Um, and with Texas has been down for a long time here, uh, ever since Mac Brown got pushed out there. Uh, but they look like they're coming back with Tom Herman as the new hire. Um, he seems like he's doing a really good job recruiting and could kind of take over the Big 12 now that Oklahoma has lost their coach. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, teams like Baylor and TCU for a while were the, the best teams in the Big 12, but right now they're both looking down. Uh, TCU had a bad year last year, and they're not a, much of a recruiting power, so it's gonna be it's tough for them to, to sustain success. And then Baylor uh, has had horrible recruiting classes due to so many allegations against so many other players for like legal issues so many like sexual assault cases and stuff it's pretty terrible what's been happening at Baylor um yeah no one should be a Baylor fan right now uh, <laughs> so yeah they're not going to be doing much on the field for a long time hopefully horrible situation there but yeah so it kind of shows the Big 12 is having some problems having a lot of competitive teams to compete on the national stage for national titles and whatnot Oklahoma was their was their biggest best team for a while here and with Bob Stoops gone, that could be in jeopardy. But it looks like Texas might be able to fill the void. And uh, that's if Oklahoma can't keep it going. Hopefully Oklahoma can keep it going. And then Texas gets going. And that can be a really good rival- rivalry in the Big 12 to watch for a while here. Both of those coaches are young. Um, again, yeah, so the Big 12 didn't get a team in the playoff in 2014 and 2016. They're the only conference to have two years of not getting a team in a playoff. Um, Pac-12 mm-hmm. in 2015 didn't get a team in the playoff. Uh, the ACC, SEC, and Big Ten have had a team in the playoff every single year, um, so that that makes that really shows that they're probably the weakest conference in college football. I don't think anybody would really debate that. Again, them only having ten teams is kind of a handicap for them, but uh, again, no, I mean it still still means they're kind of the weakest. They get the least respect nationally, um, which can hurt them in a lot of ways. Uh, we'll talk a little about that later, but uh, yeah, so definitely uh, losing one of their best coaches, definitely actually their best coach for sure. Um, over the last decade or two decades uh, makes you kind of wonder what's going to happen with the Big 12. Um, a lot of They could have expanded over the last year, after last year. They decided not to. Um, they don't want to split their revenue more than the 10 ways that they have to right now. 
maybe a little bit greed there. Um, I could see the Big 12 having some big trouble um, in the future here. They are adopting the uh, conference championship game this year. They haven't had that. A lot of people think that's hurt them by uh, not being able to get a team in the playoff because they haven't had a clear conference champion because of not having a conference championship game. Um, but they're going to have that this year, so that'll be interesting to see who plays in that. That should be a really good matchup. Another championship game and that championship Saturday. So, but uh, I see some problems in the future for Big 12 if Oklahoma falls behind. Um, again, that, that's their big best team so for the last 17 years, and without them, they could be in trouble. Um, another interesting note about Stoops retiring <laughs> is that that leaves the NCAA with only four current coaches that have won national titles. Um, Saban has five, uh, four of them with Bama, one of them with LSU. Urban Meyer has three, two of them with Florida, one with Ohio State. Jimbo Fisher has one, and then Dabo Sweeney has one. Um, it's interesting that only four t- coaches uh, in the entire college football have won national titles. Obviously, Saban having five and Meyer having three kind of hoards them all at the top there. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that yeah. uh, two of them have, almost all of them, they can take away yeah. Fisher and Sweeney, two. Yeah, just two of them. Yeah, I mean, Saban has as many as the rest combined, <laughs> yeah. which is really wild to think that about. Bastard. Um, yeah, and the top two coaches, they've done it at multiple programs, which mm-hmm. is interesting, too, to show that, like, the coach means so much. Even at different programs, they've been able to build that reputation. win titles. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the Pac-12 and the Big 12 both don't have a single coach <clears throat> with a national title. Uh, kind of shows that there are they are probably, I think most people would agree, they're the weakest conferences right now. Um, only the ACC has two coaches with national titles, uh, but both of them only have one, as compared to the Big 10, where they have Urban Meyer, who has three, and the SEC has Nick Saban, who has five, uh, which is obviously crazy impressive. Um... I would say, as of right now, the uh, Big Ten probably has the most good coaches. Uh, a couple, few of them are new coaches, um, <clears throat> with Herb, um, Jim Harbaugh being one. Uh, I don't know if you call him new anymore, but newer. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, in the Big Ten, you'd have Harbaugh, Urban Meyer, James Franklin at Penn State, um, Mark D'Antonio, and then Paul Crist at Wisconsin. A lot of new, and then a couple of new, new coaches, P.J. Fleck and E.J. Durkin, on the come up at Minnesota and Minnesota, or Minnesota and uh, Maryland. <laughs> there you go. So the Big Ten's were looking really good with uh, the coaches that they have in the conference right now, which really uh, bodes well for the future conference uh, superiority. And it's always fun to watch what conference is kind of superior. The SEC had the <clears throat> had the title there for a long time. Um, but now it kind of looks like the SEC is pretty much Alabama than no other good teams. Uh, Alabama, obviously, is going to carry that torch for them well. They're always going to be a top team in the country. But behind Alabama, there's a whole lot of nothing right now. Um, so it's a tough look for the SEC. Um, they're kind of losing their, their superiority here. The Big Ten's coming up quick uh, with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, all looking like national powers. Um and conference superiority can really help on the recruiting trail. Um, it can get you better. Uh, you get your team more likely to get in the playoff and get better bowl games. So conference superiority isn't nothing. Uh, some people kind of write it off as irrelevant, but it, it does matter. It matters when it comes to uh, preseason polls and when it and then preseason polls carry on throughout the season and they are uh, they matter for something. They're not for nothing. And then it also matters when they're picking who's going to be in the. Uh, Who's going to be in the playoff? What what conference? Because one conference has to get left out. Obviously, there's four teams, five yeah. conferences. One conference has to get left out. And if you're uh, if you're the strongest conference, you're not going to get left out. So it's always important to be. Uh, it's that that is it is important. 
It's also interesting, yeah, to see that Saban has as many as every other coach combined. And it also shows that there's only four with national titles. It shows that not every, not winning the title doesn't guarantee you job security for like a super long time. Um, a few titles have been let go at their schools. Like Auburn won a national title uh, recently and they let the coach go. So it's kind of interesting how quickly those tides can turn on you. Um, Les Miles had won a national title and he was pushed out at LSU. It shows you that the, the tide can turn pretty quickly on you. Uh, after, even if you make it all the way to the pinnacle, uh, your uh, program can still turn on you. So, just an interesting uh, little dynamic there. And uh, cutthroat college football. Yeah, there you go. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with the Big Twelve without Oklahoma, uh, without Bob Stoops, and see what if Oklahoma can stay on top. I'm sure a lot of coaches, a lot of schools are reaching out to their recruits right now to see if they can poach some of them away, see if they can poach any transfers away. Um, so yeah, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you really got you got you got a little bit to worry about. That's for sure. There you go. On to the next one? Yes, sir. All right, so uh, UK election. We've been hearing a lot about the UK recently with their terrorist attacks and stuff. So with their uh, their way of government, they get to they can choose to have their elections moved up and stuff. So that's what the Prime Minister, Prime Minister Theresa May did. And it looks like it backfired on her. She wanted to have the elections moved up to try to solidify her um, party's majority in Parliament. And it actually hurt her a lot. She ended up having a hung parliament, which means that her party doesn't have a majority. And what that means, in our way of thinking, would be that there's only two parties, but there's actually more in their parliament. They got four of them. So well, they have more than four. Even, well, they, right? they have more than four, but they got like the four major ones. Yeah, they have. Uh, well, the two have the, between two of them, they have eighty-eight percent. Yeah. And then there's like a few. There's a bunch of others that are smaller. Yeah, we're going to go through, like, the four. Yeah, we're going to go through the top four. Yeah. Okay. So we got the Conservative Party, which is what Theresa May is running. Um, they get, they got 312 seats, 48%. The Labor Party, which... Uh, okay, so real quick, Conservative Party over there, they're over here they'd be considered more of the Democrats. Um, Labor Party, 260 seats. They got 40% of the Parliament. Um, they're pretty much communists. Um, the Scottish National Party... 35 seats they're about 5.4 percent and then the liberal the liberal democrats um they got 12 seats 1.8 percent um so it's kind of shocking the conservatives were supposed to win and solidify their majority but uh with the terrorist attack and stuff that was going on i don't know if that really affected it but i mean i guess this was a different outcome than they were expecting um because of the surprise no one's sure what's going to happen now Theresa may they thought she was going to resign because her party lost their majority, and now it's a hung parliament. But she says she's going to um, stay on for now, but no one really knows what's going to happen from here. Uh, Conley, what do you, you want to hear Yeah, it's it? interesting. Um, obviously, nobody was really suspect, uh, expecting <clears throat> this outcome, so nobody really knows if the conservative party is going to be able to join kind of align with one of the smaller parties because what yeah, they're going so to explain that yeah yeah what they're going to have to do what one of these parties is going to have to do is align with one of the smaller parties in order to like combine their party and this other party's seats in order to get to that majority um the conservative party is obviously the most likely to do this they have 48 percent already they only need two percent more which is like 14 seats um so they're going to have to align with some other parties here in order to get to that majority so that they can choose the um the prime minister as of now, Theresa May is going to stay in power just because of that's what how it works is when there's a hung parliament, the incumbent 
stays in power, and that's what she is. But um, it'd be interesting to see if they can align with the parties and get that majority, or if the Labor Party is able to um, join, get enough support together to have the majority, and then they'll be able to pick the Prime Minister. Um, nobody really knows what's going to happen now. Um, it's really just time will tell. Uh, most Again, people weren't expecting this, and that's why people don't know what's going to happen. And I think if people were expecting this outcome... The uh, there'd be a little more news about what the Conservative Party's plan was. Yeah, I mean, I highly doubt the Labor Party's going to work a deal with anybody because yeah, the they're, Labor, yeah, they're, they're batshit crazy communists. Um, the Labor Party, you can pretty much think their their guy who's um, the leader of them. Uh, his name's Corbin. He's pretty much Bernie Sanders and steroids. And he had made a statement that he didn't want to join with any <laughs> yeah, political party because he, that wouldn't that wouldn't be like far enough left for him. Yeah, that's going to like kill his base. His base likes them because they're they're crazy as hell. Um, he's, he like supports Hugo Chavez, he loved Hugo Chavez, he wants straight open borders, he doesn't want to like fight terrorists at all. So, um, I, they're saying that Theresa May is not gonna, um, she has no intentions of resigning, so I assume that means the conservative party is gonna try and work a deal with someone else to keep Theresa May in power. This is a big setback for Brexit though, because the whole point of Theresa May calling an early election, an early election was to try and solidify her majority so that they could get out of Brexit smoothly and, uh, you know, just make sure that nothing went wrong with that. Because when they voted to get out of Brexit, it's going to take a number of years to get out of yeah. Brexit. Or to get out of the EU. Yeah. You vote for Brexit to get out of the EU. It takes a number of years to get out of there. Um, that looks kind of in limbo now. <clears throat> well, not necessarily. Well, yeah, maybe. Um, and so Theresa May, they might actually have to move their position farther left to, like, satisfy the voters. Because they might see this as a referendum on getting out of the EU. And they might actually not be able to go through with it anymore. Yeah. And there's also the possibility that because of Theresa May's kind of miscalculation here and ending up having her party lose the uh, lose the like the true majority, uh, there's a possibility that her own party tries to replace her as kind of like the leader the of the minister, party. Yeah, because they um, get to choose who their leader is. Yeah, that's a lot more fluid in uh, the UK than it is in America. In America, there's like no chance at all really that... Um, it's like it's pretty much Congress. Congress says it's yeah. like over there. Their Congress says we decide who the president is. Is yeah. like if you wanted to compare it to the U.S., it's not a direct comparison. But it's like uh-huh. if Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell got together with our Congress and said we don't like Trump anymore, so we're going to say we're deciding who the new president is and yeah. we're picking from Congress. Is what but they, they have to do. pick from the party. They that have to the, pick. The yeah. people chose. So they would have to pick from the Republicans yeah. who would get to. So, so they'd yeah. say like now Marco Rubio is the new president. Is what they would, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the comparison that you can make in America. Um, it's not a direct comparison, but I mean it works. So, Theresa May is kind of fighting for her life here. She said she wasn't going to step down. So I mean, we'll see what happens. We're recording this what? It's almost three a.m. here. Yeah. Um, so I so, don't know what the uh, time it is in UK, but it really the, the election, um, kind of like the results are just breaking. So there's a lot to uh, figure, be figured out here that the Brits got to figure out amongst themselves. Yeah, pretty much Theresa May's party, the ruling party, really took a hit. It was an awful political miscalculation, and uh, Brexit might be in jeopardy. Brexit might be, um, they might need a new referendum. Nigel Farage, the leader of the Brexit movement, was saying that he might have to go back into politics to lead a new referendum on it, maybe, because it's so bad for him, which is awful for the British people because Brexit was a vote to say... We're done with open borders. We want to get out of the EU so that we can stop the terrorist problem. Because the whole point of the European Union was if Germany lets in refugees, then we all have to let in refugees. And the whole point of the British people getting out of that was we don't want terrorists coming in anymore. 
I mean, so this is really... It's incredible that the crazy Communist Party, which is the Labor Party, for all intents and purposes, got 40% of the vote. I mean, that, for Europe, for the or for the UK, that's scary as hell. And they're one of our key allies, so that's just insane. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. It also sounds like there's a possibility that there'll be another election because of the hung parliament. Mm. Um, again, we're, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll keep you updated if anything important happens there, um, bad, obviously. Bad for us, too. I mean, bad for America that that happened. Yeah, that this happened. Yeah, bad for conservatives. I mean, if you're, if you like Bernie Sanders and stuff, then I guess this is good for you. You know. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> oh, the left, the left kind of got a victory here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, moving on, the Brits can figure that on their own. Cheerio! Long live, the, <laughs> long live the Queen is or long live the can't. What do they say over there? Long live the Queen. They have a Queen right now. Ah, uh, long she's live been the Queen. In power for like seventy years because yeah. she's just never gonna die. Yeah, she'll keep All going. Right. Other notes. Um, moving on here to uh, some college uh, sports news, uh, especially football. Uh, first thing, just a quick note here is More that football. I like it. ACC uh, Big Ten matchup every year. They have that in basketball. It's been announced who's gonna play who. MSU uh, has drawn Notre Dame, and Michigan plays the national champion uh, North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, Pretty good draw for MSU. Uh, they'll probably be able to win that game. Uh, Notre Dame's a good team, but not a great team. Michigan obviously has to play the national champ. Uh, that'll be a good um, a good test for Michigan. Obviously, they're not going to be favored in that game, but it'll be a, a game where Michigan could get a big win, and if they lose it, it won't be too big of a loss for them. So, it'll, it'll, both of those games will be interesting. Uh, MSU gets to play at home. I'm not sure where Michigan if Michigan's going to play at home or not. They'll probably have to visit North Carolina. North Carolina's got a little more brand power in basketball. Uh, I again, so. Yeah. yeah, Michigan and North Carolina <laughs> also interesting. They're both uh, both Jordan brand. Uh, we'll see if there's some cool units pulled out for that game. Hopefully, hopefully we get some little little flair there. Josh, as Josh takes sips of his rotating between his coffee and his beer. Uh, oh, that's a good. Really, show. really something to see here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It's three. It's three a.m. That's how you do it. Podcast mm-hmm. at three a.m. This is the third take of the pod. This is this is third take. Alrighty, uh, moving on to some football news here. Uh, we're gonna talk about some what what being a QB in uh, the like, modern day uh, college football, kind of like the dynamics of that. So, yeah, first thing I wanted to talk about was uh, there was a kind of a list came out of like so twenty four seven was kind of ranking the QB transfers and like the most important QB transfers and uh, Shane Morris, a former Michigan Wolverine, who mm. trans- transferred to like, Central Michigan. Uh, was ranked the seventh, uh, kind of most the best, seventh best QB transfer, while Malik Zaire, who transferred to Florida, who uh, people was making big news, was ranked ninth. Uh, it sh- kind of shows that my theory that Malik Zaire is not not a whole big thing to worry about is uh, pretty. They <clears throat> agree at least. Also shows that uh, Shane Morris can make some noise at Central Michigan if uh, things work out well for him there. Uh, he didn't have much success at Michigan, but. Uh, hopefully he can do good at CMU, fire up chips. Um, so fire it's up. interesting. This transfer quarterback dynamic is pretty interesting. It's become really, really popular. Um, over, um, It's about 15, 50% of quarterbacks end up transferring at some point. Uh, usually this happens when they don't win the starting job. Uh, so you go in, you're a sophomore, and the guy ahead of you is still starting. You know He's only a junior. So you're looking and you're thinking you're probably never going to – you might never be able to start. Um, so you decide to transfer out, or you know if your coach changes, so you transfer out because if your if your coach comes in and changes the offense, he used to want a pro style, now he wants a, a mobile quarterback, stuff like that. Ends up 50% of quarterbacks transfer. 
which is a huge no- huge number, kind of means that when a quarterback commits somewhere, there's only really a 50% chance that he ever plays there, uh, even less than that, really, because there's always a chance that he just goes there and graduates without ever playing. So it's an important thing to kind of look at there. Um, the most important uh, transfers this year, the biggest names are Will, Gre- Will Greer. Uh, he's transferring from Florida to West Virginia. And then Jarrett Stidham. Uh, he's transferring from Baylor to Auburn. Uh, both of those were got, quarterbacks are very good in 2015, and now they're at uh, West Virginia and Auburn. Uh, both of those teams are kind of like teams to look out for now with their uh, new, shiny new quarterbacks here. Um, Michigan obviously had Shane Morris transfer away. He transferred to uh, Central. He was never going to play at Michigan, um, so he served his time there. He's a good soldier. Last year, he we used him a couple plays. He went and played. He was like a lead blocker, so kind of interesting to see there. He was great. So um, kind of the reason that all of these quarterbacks have been transferring recently is like the change in kind of the recruiting dynamic. So as for, uh, Michigan's a kind of a good example here of what's been happening. So Michigan br- has already brought in two highly rated quarterbacks in the last two years. Um, they brought in Brandon Peters. He's a sophomore now, or he'll be a redshirt freshman. And then they brought in Dylan McCaffrey, who's going to be a freshman. Both of those guys are very high rated quarterbacks. And um, then they're also set to bring in at least one more this in 2018 with Joe Milton. He's a high four star. And maybe even Tyler Shuck, who's going to be a f- high four star as well. That'll give them four quarterbacks in three years of classes. This obviously not all of them can play. So you're going to see a lot of, you'll probably see at least one, if not more, transfer out if they don't win the starting job at Michigan um, because they're good enough to start in other places. Kind of like Shane Morris. He wasn't good enough to start at Michigan, um, but once he realized that, he transferred out because he was good enough to start at CMU. Um, this happens a lot. This has been happening a lot, and it's interesting to see. Uh, Clemson, they signed uh, the number two quarterback last year, and they're going to sign the number one quarterback this year, uh, which makes it a very interesting battle, a good situation for Clemson. But again, one of those guys is going to have to transfer out, uh, and it's going to be a very important recruiting battle that kind of goes um, kind of goes under the radar to get these recruits that are transferring from one school to another um, just because they weren't able to start where they originally signed. Um Georgia's another example of this. They're the number three, they had the number three quarterback last year, and they're gonna um, the number two quarterback the year before that. You see, what used to happen is if a school signed a, a five star or a, you know one of these highly rated quarterbacks, um, one year, the next year they wouldn't go after another quarterback. They wouldn't try to sign another quarterback. But yeah. now they're trying to sign. Now they're trying to sign a, a highly rated quarterback every year, if not more than one. And I think it's really just because of the, how important the quarterback position has become with more passing offenses. Making them compete against each other. Yeah, they, they just want. Yeah, they want to like kind of increase increase their odds by having you know more than one lottery ticket in there at once. Makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, it works out good for the schools. Um, but it can kind of. Uh, it's interesting to see that the quarterbacks are also willing to sign on for that. You know, they're yeah. willing to go to a school where the number one quarterback just went. To and, you know, they're gonna, they know they're going to have to really compete for uh, any playing time. Um, but it also shows that quarterbacks aren't afraid of transferring anymore. Um, and I just think you can see this trend catch on with more than just the quarterback position. 
which can kind of create chaos, but, you know, I mean, it is what it is. What do you mean, like, uh, getting a bunch of players in one position, having them compete? Yeah, and, and then, you know, having them, a lot of them transfer out and having a ton of these transfers happen. Oh, okay. The only yeah. thing that really stops kids from transferring is that when you go to a new school, you have to sit out for one year. Yeah. Um, the only way around this is if you if you graduate from that school, you don't have to sit out. You can transfer once after you graduate without sitting out a year, um, which a lot of these quarterbacks do. Um, but you do have to, you have to, you may have to wait till you graduate. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so it's interesting to see that this is happening to the quarterback position. Obviously, the one thing that really makes this happen more at the quarterback position is that only one QB can play. So yeah. if you have two elite uh, linebackers, you know you can find them both. You can get them both on the field. Mm-hmm. You know you can say that with pretty much every position, but now it's quarterback. So uh, you it's always got the holder. Oh, of course, very important. Yeah, the uh, the fake field goals. Um, uh. In Madden, especially. Uh, but, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, it's something to watch for is not just watching recruiting, like regular recruiting kids out of high school, but also recruiting these transfer quarterbacks. Um, like And being able to keep your quarterbacks on your roster um, if they're not starting right then and there. Um, it was interesting with Malik Zaire um, at Notre Dame. They tried to keep him on the roster because they, they knew they liked him. They didn't like him as much as they liked Deshaun Kaiser, but they still liked him, so they tried to like give him some playing time, um, and it really backfired on Notre Dame because it really just screwed up the offense having different quarterbacks play. But it, they, you know, it shows that teams are going to have to just kind of make an effort to uh, keep every quarterback happy so that they don't transfer away just because they're not playing right then and there. Um, but obviously didn't work out good. That system didn't work out good. So it'll be interesting to see how teams deal with that and then also how teams deal with recruiting transfer quarterbacks and how much they value a transfer quarterback that it's only going to come in and be able to play for one year. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's not the ideal situation, but if you're a team without a quarterback, I mean, that's going to be something that a lot of desperate teams are looking for. Yeah, plus, I mean, if they're, um, if they're competing and practicing at a high-stakes school, and they come transfer to a lower yeah. place, but they're you know they're from a good program. Then maybe yeah. it, they'll take it. The one thing, yeah, this really could help is like schools, yeah, like Central Michigan, like the MAC teams, the Power Five schools, yeah. not the Group of Five or the, the Group of Five schools, not the Power Five conference schools. Um, can really help those schools that uh, you know they can take some of these quarterbacks that were highly rated out of high school, didn't get the starting job at their, their uh, first signed college, and uh, can go to these smaller schools. So it's interesting to see the transfer market here. Uh, it'll be really important to look at those recruiting battles. Um, obviously, with like uh, uh, West Virginia and Auburn are kind of the benefits of that this year. Uh, Auburn, a team last year that didn't couldn't really find a quarterback, they rotated three of them, and they're gonna finally have a quarterback here this year with a, a transfer. And you could see that really play out on the national stage if he turns out to be as good as advertised. So uh, just an important or an interesting thing to watch there is the transfer market. Uh, that's about it for there. Moving on? Moving on. All right, we're going to do uh, the finals here? Yeah, let's go for the Alrighty. finals. Um, so the NBA finals, they're, they're pretty terrible. Oh, I'm loving it. Pretty huge disappointment. <laughs> um, the games are very interesting. The first two are blocked. The third game was a close game, but it's I mean it's all but said and done for the uh, the Cavs here. Really? Losing faith? Uh, yeah, I mean, faith Losing is, faith in King James? Faith is completely lost. Um, oh. The Warriors, they've just been murdering the Cavs. Um, oh. The whole season, it's kind of been this story. of It's pretty cut and dry. Who's going to win every series? Um, the NBA season really is kind of sucked. There wasn't a ton of entertainment value here. Not a ton of uh, competitive series uh, as far as teams that are competing for the, the actual title. And by the teams I'm competing for the actual title, I mean the Warriors, who will probably go on not to lose a single game in the playoffs. 
Uh, it's kind of pathetic when you have a league that doesn't have a single team that can even so, uh, challenge. The... So we're blaming KD for this, right? Oh yeah, uh, we're blaming the NBA, the NBA so, as a league. So really. we're both in agreement that they should let them pay players as much as they want. Yeah, I mean a little bit of free market. I don't know if you've ever heard oh, of it. Free market Maybe capitalism. Maybe open a uh, economics book here. A little bit less socialism. For the NBA. Yeah. yeah. But um, NBA sad. Sad. I have to say. Um, so there's but, no there's no chance in a. LeBron and the Cavs coming back and making it interesting? I don't think there's any, no. There's really? not. They're not. They'd have to win four straight. There's really no yeah. way. Um, LeBron has actually played pretty well. Everybody's kind of ragging on LeBron. If you look at this, he's a, somebody asked him, <laughs> said, oh, you look like you're uh, kind of tired out there. He said, <laughs> he looks at the report, he goes, I'm averaging a triple-double in the NBA Finals. I think I'm doing all right. Like, kind of just, like, defending himself <laughs> there from all this, like, backfire that's coming from all of these people saying, oh, he's actually, he's trash. Look at, he's trash. Uh, he's averaging, like, 35. I'm he's defending himself from the reporters. He's got, like, his number, his stats are, like, some of the best in the finals, like, ever. Other oh, that's than his good. Other, his stats from the last few years. That's good. But his team's just getting the <laughs> shit out of him. Uh, yeah, so, like, LeBron will come out there and score, like, 25 and a half, and then the Warriors will just, like, breathe fire and just murder him. The Warriors will sodomize his team. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's not good. The Cavs defense is like pathetic. They and then there's so many times where the Cavs will score, they'll get they'll miss a shot or something, and the Warriors will just sprint up the court and just get the Cavs will start walking. Yeah, and it's just like it's like how how are you a professional athlete and you don't mean care enough in to the run finals. back on defense? Like, in the finals, in the finals too. Like Come I, on. I mean, the NBA really has a problem out here on their on their hands here of just having a poor product. I mean, it's just like I mean, how can you not have at least maximum effort for the NBA finals? Like. The biggest game of your whole life. Well, they understand life. They're, they're, the resting players are in the regular season, and everyone's like, oh, well, that's okay because they're saving it for the big game. Yeah, and it's just. And they're saying no they're saving effort. everything for the big game, and then the big game comes around. Like, like, at least when, like in college the basketball, there's like, you know, everybody's trying 100%, everybody's sprinting. Yeah. Um, no, it's weird. Uh, so, yeah, it's so weird it's really just sad to see. Um, but hopefully they uh, figure that out, and hopefully there's hopefully we at least get one interesting game. I mean, it really doesn't matter. I'm not going to watch the game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Over in the NHL, on the other hand, uh, it has been an interesting finals. Uh, Pittsburgh has just went up 3-2. So, I mean, it's close as you can get there at 3-2. Um, they won the last game 6 to nothing, so that was a blowout. But the, uh, most games have been very interesting. The series has been as close as it gets. Hopefully we get a game 7 here. Uh, I'm pulling for Nashville. Hopefully they can win these next two and uh, take, the, take the cup. Um, thank God this series has been entertaining. Uh, obviously, the NBA was as boring as it gets, so... That's kind of sucks, but the NHL has given us some entertainment value. Um, so all we have uh, here for the rest of the summer is going to be baseball. So hopefully we get a game seven. Then we're just going to have baseball where the Tigers have been have been pretty sad. Um, not a lot there. So obviously if they don't get hot, we're all we're going to have uh, to look forward to is some football preview talk, which football. I'm never afraid of for sure. Uh, we'll break down kind of position by position for some of the teams and then uh, – Season previews and game so previews. We've been doing uh, like two football segments every time, I mean, so we got it. You can't not, really. You can't go you wrong with football. Obviously covering the Lions and then U of M and MSU, so. Works out. It's about all for sports today. Yep. All right. Um, final little segment here. We got grades for the week, as we always do. Um, so the Donald J grade, I'm giving him a C. Uh, nothing big on the bad or good. Um, the big, I guess the good thing you would say is, he laid out a plan to privatize the air traffic control, which I like. Um, I think he should privatize almost everything he can in the government. Um, he said that the big thing for air traffic control is they still use radar when you know everyone now uses GPS. 
which is kind of, you know, just makes common sense here that we should just use GPS. He said that it'll speed up time to depart and come in, you know, take off, get in, make everything faster. He said you can make it so planes can fly closer together without making it dangerous, um, reduce costs. Pretty much everything will get... Trump wants to make flying great again. Yeah, I saw a thing. It said um, the system originally was made, um, designed to like accommodate for 100,000 air travelers uh, per year. How annually. many do we have now? And there's like billions now. It's like <laughs> absurd, I mean, there's like 10,000 flights uh, a day. Don't you Not love of, government? I'm about to say. So it's like... And it was made in like the 30s or something. So it's like don't it's ridiculously old. So it's, it's time for a new one. Also, the best thing about it to me was that... Um, the new the privatized air traffic, yeah, obviously takes he said takes zero tra- um, tax dollars, mm-hmm. which is great to see. Yep, it's going to be a privately funded nonprofit yeah. kind of thing or for profit, or maybe it's no, going to be it's a, a privately it's a funded nonprofit. But I think non-profit. it's like the uh, the airlines have to pay in. Yeah, like there, you like, there you go. They're going to pay for play here. And I mean, the best thing here that you can compare it to, it's like, and whenever you think of a privatized thing that will work better than the government, think. UPS and FedEx compared to the post office. Yeah, and when it, when we say privatized but nonprofit, think uh, like a credit union, like yeah. federal credit union is. They're a private company; they're not controlled by the government, but they also don't make a profit. So it's just like a, it's a, just you know the people. Every a people are kind of own it. like every person that buys into it owns it. Yeah, that's why they give like you free that. movie tickets and stuff like yeah. that, and they just invest in the company every year. Um, another thing Trump did is he met with top GOP leaders, um, talking about getting his agenda through. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's good. Again, no big action, so it's a C. It's not a B or an A. He didn't pull out a Yeah, another thing about the privatized air traffic plan is that still, yeah. that's, he just proposed that to Congress. So Congress nothing, still has to pass yeah. it. So, yeah, nothing's actually happened. Right that's there, why so I gave him a C. Yeah, it's a yeah. C. Um, so Congress, um, for Republicans, I'm giving them a failing grade. Now, I'm not counting the people who questioned Comey today. I'm giving all of them an A. Especially Marco Rubio, I'm giving him an A+. I think if you want to listen to the Comey testimony, but you don't want to listen to the two and a half hours because it bores the hell out of you, which I don't blame you at all, listen to the seven minutes of Marco Rubio. I mean, if you just want to listen to the brass tacks, he killed it. That was perfect. Little Marco really was amazing today. I mean, it, it was incredible. Um, Conley, Co- Congress, Republicans? Um, yeah, I mean... Nothing. Congress, uh, congressional leadership. So, like uh, Mitch McConnell, the the Senate leaders and the House represent. Yeah, leaders. Actually, uh, no. They get failing grades. Sorry. Um, the Freedom Caucus leaders. They said that they don't want to go on August recess. What August recess is is taking vacation on August, starting in August. They said if they don't get the big agenda things done, repealing Obamacare, tax cuts, they don't want to go on the August recess. So, um, good for the Freedom Caucus, but. Ryan hasn't taken that up, and McConnell hasn't taken that up. So no action from Ryan or McConnell. Um, yeah. Democrats failing in Congress. Yeah, I mean they're not going. Uh, they drew up. Uh, they drew up letters of impeachment or the articles of impeachment today in the House. So uh, that's what they're doing. Uh, wipe their asses with it. <laughs> oh, also Kamala Harris, and she was questioning Comey. She compared Trump to a robber with a gun. She said. When a robber comes into a store with a gun and points it at you and says, I hope you give me the, the money in the, in the cash register, that means that he's ordering you to give him the money in the cash register, right? So that's what she was doing when she was questioning Comey, comparing her president to a, a robber with a gun, saying, I hope you give me the money. So she's a bitch. Uh, media. Media is... Uh... They're failing. Um, I'm going to tell you why. Because of the Paris attack Saturday, which counts as this week, they said... The London attack, sorry. They, MSNBC said that Trump 
when he was tweeting about it, was trying to incite a domestic terror attack. Um, so, that's a fail right there. Yeah, um, interesting thing, the media... Also, they sucked the entire week. They were saying that Comey was going to say things he wasn't going to say. They, they were acting like this Comey They were saying that Comey was going to take like Trump down. Grail for him, and then yeah, they were, really bad. They were saying, sources say Comey is going to say that Trump um, said that he was going to stop the investigation, and that um, Trump was not, or that Trump was under investigation, when Comey said the exact opposite. So, failing media... Except for Fox, because Fox didn't say any of that. Fox just said, we don't know what the hell Comey's going to say. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, and yeah, so the media made this Comey thing out to be such a big deal. They had, like, pre-game shows, and they were going to have post-game shows, and then it came out, and they made Live feed. Comey didn't say anything bad about Trump, and he said all this bad stuff about... He also said bad stuff about the media. I forgot about that. Comey said that the New York Times had a piece that was 100% false. He also said that any classified info that comes out in the media... You shouldn't take at face value because you're only getting what the person who leaked it said, and you shouldn't be reading those articles and taking them as truth because the intelligence community won't correct the record because they're just leaking more classified info. So he said, don't believe it. He said the New York Times pretty much is fake news, and then CNN called the New York Times fake news, and the New York Times called Comey fake news. So all the mainstream media bullshit, they're fighting each other right now. So fuck the media. Failing grade. Um... I think, that's, I think we'll leave you on that. It's here at 3.15 in the morning on a Friday morning. Friday so morning. We're working hard for you, folks. Mm-hmm. Stay classy. Have a good one.